Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Content Confessions. Coming at you on a Thursday, March 17th, 2022. God, I was worried I was going to say 2021 there for a minute. Holy shit. 2022. As always, it is Hershey Stains A15, aka Stone Samurai, and I'm joined with my brother, Steve, aka Stu. Stu, how's it going? Hey, hey, St. Patrick's Day. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Have the look of the Irish. Um, yeah, we made it past the Ides of March. So if you're Julius Caesar, you're cool now. You're good. Yeah. Anybody um, named Caesar or Julius, you can you can breathe a little bit. Yep. You now. don't got to worry about getting stabbed by the Roman Senate. Yeah. It'd be cool. And now you, we get St. Patrick's Day. You get to have some fun. Yeah. You can get drunk, puke a couple times, and uh, beat up anybody who's not wearing green. Not get arrested for it. Um, been a while since we recorded. Uh, want to apologize? Life's been kind of you know we've been busy. Life yes. happens. That's that's mainly on me, everybody. I I started a new job, so I've been having some different hours. It's been harder to record, so definitely want to say sorry about that. But we do hope that maybe you pat, miss uh, caught up on some missed episodes from the past, or maybe you just listened to uh, your favorites all over again. Um, we really hope people enjoyed our last episode, though the labor episode. That was something we put a lot of hard work into. We hope that it, it does find some uh, somewhat of an a decent audience out there. So if you have a chance to pass that one around, if you have discussions with anybody about labor topics or about, you know, just the, the world in general right now, I think maybe that'll be something that could uh, help you win some arguments, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's always good to get those talking points. Um, and, and speaking of that episode, I went to check on anchor. Um, we are in the double digits um, for listeners. So thank you to all the loyal listeners and supporters out there. And just quickly, funny enough, today I was scrolling on the horrible app that is an abomination to human, uh, human existence, Facebook. And, um, I thought you were going to say Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's right up there though. Um, but somebody was complaining about, uh, people that were working at a, at a subway and they were demanding, you know, $15 to $20 an hour. And this person had, you know, sit on their post like, you're not fucking worth that kind of money. You know you're worth. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're so used to being on state government pay that you think that you have, that you're worth more than you are. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I I kind of found it overall disgusting because it's just completely neglecting the fact that it's like, okay... A lot of the argument that this person was putting forth was like, well, I know nurses that don't make that much. And I know this person doesn't make that much. And it's like people are so angry that like they're almost there at the answer, but they miss it because they hyper focus on one thing. And instead of thinking of it as like, oh, man, that person's not going to fucking, you know, that they're going to make more than a nurse. It's like, no, them, you know, it starts from the bottom up. And we go into that a lot, a lot more deeply in the uh, union episode that we did. So make sure to go check that out. Um, Yeah, and Starbucks has a really big effort going on right now where they're going store by store trying to unionize. So that's something to keep an eye on in the news as well. And the the thing about Starbucks is actually really interesting how much success they've had, Um, especially when you compare it to something like the Amazon situation uh, where you, you know, saw threatening and uh, intimidation tactics like we had talked about in the episode. Um, as well as sending out text messages to employees, like basically saying like, hey, you know, we'll give you a fucking pizza party, <laughs> pizza party and some fucking some free pop if you uh, 
if you just don't join this union. Well, it shows the different dynamics that go on in a large workplace versus a small workplace, right? Where it's mm -hmm. a lot easier to divide and conquer probably in a larger setting where you have workers who are coming in there brand new a lot. You have a lot of turnover where if you're a good barista and you can make decent tips, like those crews tend to, I don't know, maybe I'm stereotyping, but those crews seem like they would maybe stick around a little bit longer and they're smaller to begin with. So I think it's easier to organize on that level too. So I think that's why we're seeing a little bit different success as well. But I have seen where they've fired or suspended certain employees who were organizing. So I doubt they'll get caught for union busting activity, but they definitely have been doing it just like Amazon was trying. I just don't think they've been as successful at it. Oh, but dude, liberals will tell you, Steve, that they can't be fired because we have a Supreme Court that upholds the Constitution. Yeah, as if the so. Supreme Court gives a shit about. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they, they could give two fucking shits. Right well, we're now. gonna have we're gonna have Roe v. Wade overturned of this upcoming Supreme Court season or year, whatever the fuck they call it. You yeah, know? Um, we're gonna have a lot of stuff like that where you know the I think California said they were gonna pass a gun law in response to Texas Texas's abortion law restricting all these things, trying to throw it to, to a Supreme Court thing. Like, don't liberals realize they're just going to strike down the gun one and allow the abortion laws to stand? Like, they don't give a fuck about ID, uh, any kind of legal consistency or ideology. It's all about winning and owning the libs. Like, yeah. that's all that shit is for anybody now. Well, and it's funny because that, like, it coexists with this notion of bipartisanship that people, like, glamorize. It hasn't... I mean, bipartisanship has never really truly existed, right? And then people will try to say, ah, well... The, one of the more recent um, examples would be what Bill Clinton, right? Like Bill Clinton was able to reach his hand across the aisle, so to speak, um, according to, you know, a lot of liberal media terms. But, you know, truth was Clinton was more center right than than he was. Well, and that was liberal. after they got their asses handed to them in the 94 midterms as well. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. pretty much had no choice but to triangulate. Um I, th I think one of the things I was going to bring up with that unionization effort stuff and you know, the idea is what we were talking about just recently. Keep keep an eye on it in the news, but I, I think the Starbucks thing is probably the, the biggest one to watch. I had a point I was going to make, and I should have written it down, because I'll, I'll, if I remember it, I'll bring it up again. Yeah, try to. Sorry, sometimes I can fucking... I, I end up getting that, too. <clears throat> I'm just going to start calling it Joe Biden syndrome, because, like, you'll be yeah. in the middle of thinking about something, and you'll start talking about it, and then you're like, fuck, what was this? <laughs> yeah, especially on these fun episodes. Uh Sometimes I let my thoughts get carried away. Yeah. Well, you know, you start thinking about something. You start thinking about all the malarkey. Come on, Jack. Come on, Jack. Um, so I think the first thing we're going to talk about today uh, is a game that my brother has been playing quite a bit. I've been watching some of it on stream, whether it be through uh, Hasanabi stream or a couple of people I know like Crafty Alien and, uh, and a couple others who've been playing Elden Ring. Uh, Steve, first thing I got to ask you. Uh, what are your first impressions playing the game? Somebody who's played Dark Souls before, um, and what do you think about a lot of the complaints online about the level of difficulty? Well, yeah, like, first of all, I want to say I know we're a little bit behind on the discourse, but, you know, we record when we can. I want to talk about this anyway. I know it was probably bigger two weeks ago to talk about first impressions and early game and stuff like that, but... I know I I've played all the Soulsborne games except for Sekiro. I know Sekiro probably doesn't count, but as far as like the recent from software stuff, that's the only one I haven't played. Mm -hmm. But disclaimer, I am a terrible Souls player. <laughs> I have never beat a single one on my own. I've had people assist me. I've had, you know, playthroughs where I've had people help me out with summons and that kind of thing. Like 
I don't want to talk like I'm some expert who can go through on soul level one and actually do something, you know? As a level 65 mage, yeah. sir. <laughs> yeah, so may, I don't know. Maybe I have like, you know, a built-in bias because I got introduced to these games by watching people play them because I never thought I would be good enough to play them myself or, or have, not maybe good's not the right word, but have like the attention or the devotion to play a game like that. Yeah. But what I found is starting with the first one and then going through kind of chronologically and playing Bloodborne and stuff like that as well is even if you don't beat the game, you get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And even just being, I think I'm about 11 or 12 hours in, I had kind of a crazy rune boon. So I am like level 42 without having fought like the first boss in the game yet. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to be OP'd. But like, that's what's cool about the, the new version of what they're doing with Elden Ring compared to what they had with other From Software games is it's open world. So you can pretty much do whatever you want at any time that you want. Like, like I said, I'm level 42. I've gotten weapons up to like plus four, plus two for a special weapon. I have like bunch of upgrades for the flasks i you know the new the special flask that you can find in the game i've unlocked a lot of the map like not a lot of the map but a lot of the map that you can get to early on <clears throat> so i haven't even taken on this dude named godric or another person who has like stuff grafted onto them and shit like that like i'm definitely at the point where like most people probably reached in like hour three yeah. and then they just kept on trying to attack the same boss over and over again <laughs> And got really salty and maybe put the game down or turned it back into GameStop to get like, you know, $30, $30 for it. I'm going to go back to Fortnite. You know, and like it sold 12 million copies like in the first couple of weeks here. That was the last number I saw. Yeah. And so obviously it's it's reaching a much larger audience. I think that partly is reputation. Every game has, has sold more. Oh, mm -hmm. I should have another. I never played Demon Souls. So okay. that's like the very, very first one. That I think was like a PlayStation 3 exclusive and I didn't have a PlayStation 3, but I heard about it and I would watch people play it. There was a dude at Game Informer, uh, Phil Kohler, who was like super into that game and like reviewed it for him and like was trying to preach to everybody like, hey, there's this new thing. It's really fucking cool. Everybody should give it a try. But it wasn't until I saw a playthrough of Dark Souls 1 that I was like, I have to start playing these games myself. And there is a turning point when you're playing those games where you... You give yourself a break. You realize like it doesn't matter if I die. Dying is built into the game. Like that's one of the coolest things about those worlds. Everything that exists in the game exists in that world. There's no like everything is that's video gamified makes sense in that world. So like when you die and you come back, that's built into the story, that's built into the lore. Or when you find an item in the world, there's a reason that item is there. There's a lot of environmental storytelling. People complain about the lore being confusing. And it definitely is. But part of the reason it, it, it's confusing like that is the, the guy Miyazaki who created it, he would read Western fantasy. And because English wasn't a first language of his, if he had alone like a fluent language, he didn't understand most of what the fuck he was reading or understand or like, you know, what they were getting at. Because they'd use metaphors, they'd use like language yeah. that he wasn't familiar with. They were also touching on cultural stuff that he didn't quite understand. Because we have a lot of understanding already built in when we read a story. Mm -hmm. he was lacking all of that and so that's what comes across in dark souls and in bloodborne and these other games is that's the experience he was having and he created his world kind of based on that and it's also mixed in with a really heavy dose of zelda and <laughs> well because it's about cyclical storytelling no no for and sure like it, it's it's actually like a cool aspect of, of zelda lore is that you 
keep on having the same characters because the same kind of story or the similar kind of story keeps on happening over and over again. It's happening the same in the Souls games. And as far as people complaining about their difficulty, I understand because they are difficult games. Like it, Part of what I was talking about with letting yourself catch a break is that you realize that so your souls, like, you know, the, the items you get for killing enemies or the items you get for defeating bosses or just finding them in the world, like, you can always get more. Mm. It really doesn't matter when you die and you don't get back to your souls or your ruins and you lose them. Like, yeah, if you lose, like, 100,000 or something like that, like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to fucking suck. And you're probably not going to want to play for a day or two. Like, I've been there. I've lost, like, 50,000 souls at a time once. You know, like, you just beat a boss and then something happens where you fuck up because you're not paying attention. And then on that run to get those again, you fucking mess up because you're angry at yourself for messing up. Yeah. But like all up in your head and shit. Yeah, and like those games are meant to intimidate you. That's why the bosses are so big and that's why they have such big movesets. Like they're meant to intimidate you, but like it's about getting over that idea of intimidation. Yeah. And one of the coolest things about the very first game is what they built into the lore is your character is just a random one of these creatures, you know, who like can rise from the undead. They used to be human, they can become human, but then when they die, they're, they're basically coming back over and over again. In the world, they had these guys who were just walking around as enemies that you could fight, who used to be people like you, but they gave up because they didn't have purpose anymore. Mm. And it's almost a metaphor for like, sometimes when you're playing that game, you just lose purpose and you become one of those like, ones that just kind of wander around and getting killed by somebody else who does have purpose. And like, it's about getting over that hurdle mentally of being like, no, I can just get through this. And I think Elden Ring is likely going to be the first one that I beat. I don't know how easy it will be to go back and play those previous ones now playing it, but I would definitely say with all the quality of life improvements they made, the fact that it's open world and you can level and you can, you know, get upgrades, you can find cool weapons, like you can do all this stuff that normally would be considered out of order or game breaking, but like it's designed to be in the game that way. Yeah, and the game is built around that. Yeah, the bosses will still kick your ass, or even a random like you. That's what I've always loved about these games too. You can go to the very first area in the game that you were in, and if you're not careful, you will have your ass handed to you. <laughs> and some people don't appreciate that because they want to be a they want to be overpowered in that game, right? They want to come through and be like, "Man, this person that gave me issues in the early game, I want to be able to kick his fucking yeah, ass." Yeah, the fucking be and a knight, dude. I completely understand that, but like this is a different experience, and I think. Part of what the problem people are having is like there are these like things in the game where you rest at a point of grace and it has like a starlight or like a like a like a golden kind of like stream that points you towards the next objective. Mm -hmm. And people are taking those very, very literally because it's basically telling you where the next next like major boss in that area is at. And they're treating it like a previous soul game where they're pretty much just going boss to boss trying to defeat these guys. And it's cool when you do it, but I've heard people say they spent like six hours in the same boss. And to me, that just doesn't seem like fun. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think you're going to get the most out of the game. You could have spent that six hours like what used to be considered grinding in a game is now just exploring. And I think that's a really cool way to, to make a person feel like it's worth it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the what I kind of feel about Elden Ring, it, it came out at a perfect time. Because uh, a lot of people, especially like Twitch, and, and, and the funny thing is, is Twitch has kind of taken over the the meta for gamers, right? Like, whatever's hot on Twitch is the game that is hot at that moment, right? Like, everybody talks about it, even if, if it's somebody who uh, just casually watches Twitch, doesn't have 
any particular person they follow, they'll know about it. And Elden Ring came out. It's not having to compete with Fortnite because Fortnite, its numbers have been going down. Apex is one of those BRs that have been, it's been jumping up in popularity steadily, but it's nowhere near the level of what Fortnite was bringing in on the platform. Um, And it's just very interesting to see a lot of people that um, either got partnered or a lot of the accolades that they hit on Twitch or on streaming uh, via Fortnite, Apex, you know, PUBG. They're now playing Elden Ring. And I'm not going to be one of those gamers like, oh, you fucking casual gamer sellout, dude, just jumping game to game, whatever's hot. Because at the end of the day, um, as somebody who considers himself, you know, just an average gamer, I think it's a beautiful thing to see people try a new genre and to try something different as opposed to just shooters. Don't get me wrong. I love my shooters. They're fun. But there's a lot more out there than just, you know, running around as a military person and call of duty. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of fun shit out there. And I think besides the the aspect of it of being a shooter, I think the major thing that keeps people away from games like Elden Ring is that common form of like, man, do I have the time? You know, because a lot of people, you know, you're working, you know, X amount of hours, 40, 60 hours a week. Um, and then you have other stuff, other commitments, whether it be family, friends, gym life whatever it's like you know where the fuck do i find time but at the end of the day right like you're gonna end up playing fortnite or you're gonna end up playing call of duty you're gonna be putting in those hours why not get a better uh what's the word i'm looking for like reward for it you know because i feel like games like Elden Ring, games like dark souls when you when you complete whether it's a boss or even the game itself it's actually rewarding because it was difficult it wasn't something where it's like okay i can just get the luck this time or you know, I got the best loadout right from the jump because I know where all the guns are. It's a new experience. It's fresh. And it's something that uh, it, it's designed for you to be intimidated like you had brought up, but to get over those intimidations. And I think that's a really cool concept. No, and I, I think it has a, there's a different view of, I think, a stream for, for a game like Dark Souls or a game like Elden Ring or, or whatever from software game you're talking about. Mainly because I think there's a lot of people interested, like I was, who didn't think they were going to be good enough at it and wanted to see the game and wanted to know what it was about and wanted to get some idea. Like there's a guy on YouTube, I watch uh, Vati Vidya, who does like explanations of the lore and the story and all that kind of stuff, like really in depth. And that was, I used to watch those even before I started playing the game, just because it was really interesting storytelling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's guesswork based on stuff that's in the world, based on environments, based on some stuff that NPCs will tell you, but like... It's just a, it's a fun way to, to look at a game that even if you can't get through it all or even if you can't see everything, like you you have a community there who is wanting to engage with people on that and they want to do stuff like that. It's almost like it reminds me of when I was like five or six and I sucked at video games completely. <laughs> but you'd go over to a friend's house who had an older brother and he was really good at games or like at least in your view, he was like really good at games, you know, because he was like yeah. nine and like had good motor function skills and shit like that. So you'd be like, no, I just want to watch you play. You know, that's what it kind of felt like for me with Dark Souls. But like, and I did watch a, I watched a couple playthroughs before I even got a chance to play Elden Ring because I don't really, I'm not one of those people who gives a shit about the spoiler stuff. Like, I'm not going to be upset because I know which boss you fight in the game, like and what he looks like or whatever. Like, that, yeah. I understand people who are, but I'm just not like that. So I watch playthroughs and I have no issue with that. If anything, I think of it as, hey, if there's anything really cool, I'll make sure to find that. 
you know, or I'll make sure to try that. And maybe I won't get a chance to do it because I can't get through that part, but at least I got to see what it looked like. Yeah. And so I think, you know, people jump on people for, we're creating straw men here, but I've seen it, you know, like people get upset because you're, you're streaming the popular game. But I think I've seen streams with like 25 or, or people or something like that that are really enjoying it and are asking a lot of questions because this is their first, you know, from software experience they're going to have if and when they have it. And it's cool that it's reaching a completely new audience and that I hope people enjoy it for what it is as opposed to what they were hoping it was going to be or, or what they are used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always going to be those two reactions, you know, either, oh, you guys are just fucking posers and, you know, just trend hoppers, or you're going to have people who are like, you know what, cool, like, you're enjoying the thing that I enjoy, or even if I don't enjoy it, you're enjoying something different, like, more power to you. Well, and it's funny, because you brought up people complaining about the difficulty, and the stuff I've actually seen more of is people complaining that it's too easy, Mm. and that there are too many things in the game that help normal players. As if that's like some badge you you can wear in society that you beat a game on the hard way, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like it's basically people complaining about like the summons they have in the game are too overpowered. There's certain sets you can get. There's certain stuff you can do. It's like no, they they built the game with that in mind. They wanted anybody to be able to come in there, do build the character you want, because it's also class based, right? Like you have different RPG elements that are going in, so no playthrough is really going to be the same because you have different characters even if you go to all the exact locations you're going to fight in different ways you're going to do different things i think that's another reason why people like watching it is because even if i do play through it as my build i'm probably not going to be able to do all those other interesting builds either it's like a new vegas in that way right where like you'd be playing new vegas it's like i would just end up being a sniper every fucking time (laughs) yeah or like skyrim where the I, i tell myself I'm going to use two-handed weapons, but I end up like stealth uh, bow attacking everybody the entire time. Yeah. Like it's fun to see these other playthroughs, not because I, I, I don't want to do it, but in some cases, like I'm just not going to ever be good at that kind of play style. Dude, somebody out there right now is literally fucking molding. They're like, dude, how come I don't have a fucking girlfriend yet? I beat Dark Souls 1 and 2 on the hardest difficulty without ever using a health flask? This is bullshit. Well, yeah, and Poor it's guy. like, because there's no difficulty levels, like, <laughs> people always complain, you know, oh, there's no easy mode, there's no way to change difficulty, and, like, the way people used to change difficulty as before is by making the game artificially harder, right? Like, they wouldn't use a flask, they would go for, like, no hit runs, they would not level their character, or not use, like, armor, you know, mm-hmm. different stuff like that. Like, it was about artificially making it hard, so, like, what's wrong with the game making the game have ways to do it differently? You were doing it artificially before and you never saw a problem. I just don't understand that. Dude, I wish all games would incorporate. You remember that Madden a few years back where they had the fucking the the difficulty setting where it would adjust yeah. to how good you were playing? Baseball has a similar the show has something similar yeah. that you can turn on. Like, dude, if every fucking game out there could set something like that, because there's dude, there's sometimes, man, where even if you're somebody who's like uh who's played the game multiple times. You'll you'll go okay. Well, you know, I fucking I'll put it on the hardest difficulty because I don't want to just breeze through it and get bored. And then you end up getting stuck, but you don't want to turn it down a level because if you turn it down a level, it's gonna you know it's gonna be too easy. Well, and finding that sweet spot. Is and unfortunately, hard mode usually just means giving enemies more health, right, or yeah. making your weapon do like lesser damage, essentially. 
It's where you just have to like end up doing more of the same thing as opposed to making it be different and, and changing things up. Like, I think that's why the From games have always been looked at differently is because the AI reacts in different ways. Like it, it's never, it's never, you know, like level scaling. So like you're, you're the same enemy is not always going to be like your level, but that means if you go to a place, you're not meant to be there. You're going to know, you know, like it's, it's like the death claw and fallout. Like when you first ran into them and you're like, I have no business yeah. like, trying to fight this fucking thing. That's Fallout what, three to be specific. Yeah. The ones fallout that fallout three. four are pretty easy. Yeah. Well, and fallout new Vegas has that, that, mine area oh, right? do the you quarry. Try to go through, like that quarry yeah like, where they they tell you basically like do not try Don't, to go yeah. here if you're not ready for it like that's a no fuck around zone dude yeah. like you're and gonna so, catch the smoke that's pretty much what like a lot of dark souls stuff is but the fact they give you a mount in this game means you can just ride through places and just pick up all the shit you want and just book the fuck out of there yeah. like i've had boss fights start where i'm like Peace out, boys. <laughs> and like the music is all going. I'm like, I'm riding the fuck out of here. What are you talking about playing this music? I ain't fighting that thing. Right, like the wind, bullseye. But the game is meant for you to do that. Like, yeah. like you're you're not restricted in that way. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Like, you can just play it like a Souls game if you want, and just you know go from boss to boss and and fight them as they come and and beat that boss every time you meet it. But like, I don't know. I'll try a boss one time, and if I I'm doing like barely any damage and every hit is like taking all my health like it's telling me i'm just not ready for that yeah because i'm not good well, enough to to get away with not getting hit in a bat you know that kind of stuff well and the thing is i think i think a lot of gamers now kind of have a problem with that just because like a lot of games that have been coming out for the past 10 or 15 years they've been specifically made for being like okay once you uh invest a certain amount of hours into this game you're going to become fucking big doing daddy, right? Like you're going to be able to fucking slap kids. Yeah. You're going to be able to do whatever the fuck you want. And people started hitting a wall when they, when they started playing dark souls or when they started playing Elden ring. And I think that's kind of like what I was seeing a lot of, cause it, you know, on my Twitter feed, it was, it's just like a lot of streamers that I follow. Um, and then the recommended is like streamers that they follow and shit. And I just see a lot of people be like, man, this fucking game's hard. And you like, you know, I go into a stream and somebody's death counter was at like 80. And like, it's just like, man. You know, I'd be embarrassed to see mine. Yeah, well, there's a reason I don't stream those games. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like the way I play those games probably wouldn't be that exciting for somebody to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, you know, me skirting around like all the bosses and just picking up random items <laughs> and like making runs through areas and just seeing if there's anything behind that wall and getting killed because I get stuck on a fucking staircase or something like that. You know, like yeah. I have no shame in my game yeah. and I, I understand that pressure for a lot of streamers. Cause like I was watching a playthrough with uh, one of the guys from game informer, uh, Dan tack, who's like really great at the souls. Like he's one of the guys who introduced me to stuff like in the videos that he did for game informer and that kind of thing. Like he's always tried to have a better philosophy about the soul. It's never been about get good and all that kind of bullshit, you know? He, Get good gamer. He wants to have a very different view of, of how people approach those games. And it definitely helped me, like, as a person who was very, like, tepid and wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, definitely take that leap. And during his stream, he was trying to show people basically what I'm doing. Like, get as big as you want. Do as much as you want before you take on the bosses and you're going to have more fun. <clears throat> and there was one person in his stream who kept on saying, go fight this boss. Go fight this boss. Go fight this boss. You know, and so there's going to be that pressure, I think, even as like a, a veteran streamer, even as a person who's confident in your soul skills to like, 
they want to see that next thing they you yeah. know or else they they wouldn't be watching if they didn't want the spoiler right so like they want to see that next big thing what are the secrets what are the bosses that's all they really want to care about and Elden Ring is trying to do it differently Elden Ring is trying to say everything is cool like go get <laughs> go get that go get that upgrade for it's, your flask it's not as sexy but like that's making your character better every time you do it it's kind of like the adage that I always tell people, right? Because on, you know, as a streamer, people will say shit in chat, like whether it's somebody you know or just like a new viewer, you'll hear people say this shit all the time. I'm bored. This is boring. Yeah. And it's like I've always, I've always had the process, man. Like only boring people get bored because, like, if you're if you're actually entertaining or somebody who's easily entertained um, or finds entertainment or just joy, like. You can find joy in the fucking simple things. Like, me personally, I'm watching people and I'll see people be like, oh, man, you probably don't want to watch me do this. And I always make sure I type in chat, like, motherfucker, I enjoy watching the grind. Because when I watch a game and I see somebody playing the game, whether it's like an Elden Rings or some sort of, you know, RPG, not being able to see that grinding process is very misleading. And so when you go to play that game yourself, you're like, wait, this isn't this isn't the fucking experience that I that I was able well, to be a part of. And I've watched streams, right? Where like they're pre-recorded sometimes, you know, like they're not mm -hmm. always live playthroughs and that kind of thing. And they'll be like, Oh, I was doing some stuff off camera to get my guy better, and here I am now. It's like, no, I wanted to see what yeah. you were doing to get your guy better too, right? Like I want like you're saying, I want the complete story here. You're just showing me like the the best of. Yeah. And for a game like so like the Souls games, like I like to see everything. I want to see that nitty gritty. I want to see like what item did you find that like you wouldn't have found unless you happened to turn that corner. You know, like that kind of stupid shit. Like that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. Well, and it's weird. And it's weird for me as somebody who's on Twitch, because it's like, you know, if you want to see somebody just do all the boss fights, just do all the fun shit, go watch YouTube. Like Twitch, the whole the whole purpose for Twitch is interaction. And I've always looked at Twitch as, and, and you had brought this up earlier, and uh, I've always looked at Twitch as being the, the old feeling of when somebody in the neighborhood would get a new game or get a new console, and everybody would go over there and watch that person play and being able to talk to them like, oh, dude, fucking go look over there, go adventure over there. And I think... That's the beautiful thing about Twitch is that it gives you an opportunity if you're watching somebody play a game that either you're interested in or that you're playing right now or played before. You'd be like, hey, you know, why don't you go check out to see what's over in that cave because you've never been in that cave. And then you end up finding out there's some crazy ass loot, right? Like, it's just those are the kind of experiences that are on Twitch. But then you'll see a lot of viewers complain about seeing stuff like that. And I just it always kind of makes me laugh a little because it's like, man, if. If, if you want perfection, dude, and, and, like, edited shit, like, go watch YouTube, bro. Like, this is Twitch. Well, that and, like, at some point, like, this isn't your playthrough. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's about that art ownership kind of bullshit, you know? I'm not saying that, like, streaming is art. But, you know, like, it it's how much of it do you own as a fan and how much are you entitled to, right? And, like, do yeah. you get to make all the decisions about what happens or do, are you watching because you like the person who should be in name like in charge of what their playthrough is like you know exactly. like that's a point like i was watch. i wasn't watching live thank goodness because i probably would have gotten banned <laughs> in this guy's chat because yeah. that kid like he had to have been a kid yeah. like i hate i don't want to stereotype again but like this dude was like to the point where like he either didn't have manners as a grown adult which i was really gonna be like, 
like, wow, dude. Or he was just a kid who was impatient. And, you know, I would have lost my temper if I was that streamer. And, like, Dan, the person who was streaming, like, he, he kept his cool the entire time. At one point, though, he was like, you know what? Fine. We'll go fight him. But after that, I'm not doing any more requests. Land bosses. Yeah. And, I don't know, like, like you were saying, like, at some point, like, whose playthrough is it? Like, if you yeah. want to do that, go play the game. Yeah. Go do it yourself. See, I'm, I'm a petty asshole. Like, whenever I get people like that in my chat... I'm just like, dude, you're fucking annoying. Shut up. Like, do not make me come bang your mom and eat your fruit snacks after because I totally will. I'm a fat ass. That's what I do. And I could see that this person was a a subscriber, first of all. So they weren't at least just some rando. Yeah. So that was probably why he had a little bit of patience to begin with because he either had a rapport with this person a little bit before or he knew like, hey, they're willing to pay me. Yeah. So I don't want to be a complete dick. I don't want to be a complete dick. But like, there were some randos that kept on doing like the same kind of shit. Like, they would come in and be like, so... Which, which bosses have you just fought? And he's like, like, none of them. Like, <laughs> the first one and that's it. I'm just, I'm showing people that you can play this game differently. And yeah. That's, I hope people, if they, if they did put it down or if they didn't get as far as they hoped, give it another try and just go somewhere else. Like, the map is huge. Like, you may feel overpowered when you're fighting enemies, but you don't have to fight either. Get on your fucking horse. Look for those items. Upgrade your character. Come back and kick some ass. Simple eyes, bro. Simple eyes. And I'm sorry, dude. That took a lot longer. Oh, no, dude. Shit. Hey, that's that's what it's about, man. Fucking, that's what it's all about. Uh, but moving forward, there uh, there was something that we had talked about on previous episodes before, and that was the MLB. It wasn't a lockout, right? It yeah, was, it was a lockout. It was, okay. It wasn't a strike. It was strike. a lockout. Strike. That's right. That's right. That's right. The, it was, the it was the, I got it flip-flop. It was the owners deciding that they weren't going to let the players play. It was not the players saying they didn't want to play. I had a fucking Joe Brandon moment, bro. I fucking... Shat myself, dude. Uh oh, no, but it's <laughs> the owners want the owners wanted that confusion, right? They're the ones who kept on saying the players didn't want to agree to stuff. The players when didn't want to do in actuality, it was the owners who wanted to pay. It was the owners who locked the players out, saying until you agree to our terms, you cannot play. Yeah. Like, so that's what it, that's what a lockout means compared to a strike. Listen here, brother. They make a lot more money than me, so if they get paid thirty thousand dollars a year, brother, they better fucking jump. Well, and, and luckily you didn't see as much of that this time around as yeah. like the last major lockout. Like they've had work, they've had other work disagreements and labor labor disagreements and that kind of thing. But the last one was '94, right? Like where you're probably you don't remember that shit. Like that was a, a lifetime ago. Yeah, yeah. Like most people probably don't that remember '94. Like I was like 11, so I kind of remember it, but I didn't remember like what was all going. I just knew that baseball was over and that there wasn't going to be a World Series, and so like I was just kind of pissed off at all sides, right? <laughs> like a, a curse on both your houses kind of thing. Yeah. You got some Mercutio going on. Uh, so I think this time, though, you did see a lot more of people willing to to be like, no, it, it's the billionaire owners. Like, yeah, this guy may make a million, but he has an employer who's worth billions and is trying to, to nickel and dime them. And I think especially when you got the, the minor league stuff going on at the same time, like where teams aren't even willing to spend like an extra $300,000 a season to like take care of certain guys and that kind of thing. Like that's, that's chump change to a major league baseball team, right? Like that's how much you pay for baseballs or some shit like that. Like maybe not even that much and, or maybe even more now that I think about it for how many they use. But I I think people had a different point of view, at least on Twitter. And I know Twitter's not real life, but I I think that's where, you know, that's how else are you going to take the impression of people besides like stupid social media shit. Like, but the impression I was getting is that people, even in media, media people and, you know, average people, regular people, whatever you want to call it, like they were getting it 
a lot better than I think they would have before. And that gave me kind of hope as like a person who cares about labor and a person who cares about the stuff we talked about in the last episode that like maybe people's point of view has, has like turned a corner on that kind of stuff, at least in my lifetime. I think in the sports world, um, I think it, it depends on slowly, the sport too, right? Like the fact yeah. that it's a bunch of white dudes probably helped as opposed to if this was the NBA or the NFL. Yeah. Well, cause at that point, and, and we've seen it, uh, whether it's, you know, people like LeBron James, like they make enough money already. What the fuck they got talking about dirt, 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 you know, it's just, well, the funny thing is LeBron should probably make more. Like if there yeah. wasn't this fucking luxury tax and like the cap they have and everything like that, like LeBron's the type of dude for the amount of money he makes for a team and the amount that he makes for that league. Like he should probably be getting paid more so that I don't, I don't buy those people's argument. Cause like, Look at how much revenue he creates, and he should be getting a larger percentage of that shit. Should do. Hey, man, look, people can hate on LeBron James all, he, all they want to, but I got a number but respect for the man for multiple reasons. And, and one of the things I love him for the most is that when he started up that school, it wasn't a, it wasn't a private school. It wasn't a fucking charter school. It was a public school. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that's fucking dope. Um, but some of the changes that they made, Steve, I know that yeah, you so, brought that up. Yeah, they are coming back. Major League Baseball is coming back. They're going to have, you know, a full season from what I was reading. Uh, part of the stuff they did in the CBA was about, you know, there was disagreements. We had talked previously about, you know, how soon would your free agency start? How soon would you be considered a player? Like, the players didn't get nearly as much as they probably should have in that kind of stuff. They were able to get some concessions from the owners, but the owners were really fucking dicks when it came to everything and they were pretty much willing to to hurt the sport a lot more than the players would so i think the players felt a little bit more of that pressure to come back and one of the things that was part of that agreement is that probably the biggest news is that they are expanding the, the playoff teams so it's going to be 12 teams in total uh it it's almost to the point i think they were talking about doing 14 originally which basically would have meant that almost half the league would have made the playoffs. Which would be shitty. And it, it's it's really a big win for the owners, right? Because basically it, it makes it so that you don't have to spend as much to make the playoffs, right? Like, yeah. And the playoffs are a complete crapshoot in baseball. It's not like other leagues where the, good, the best teams tend to show out in the playoffs. You have teams who get hot or you have teams who have, like in hockey, you have a goal hand, goaltender who stands on his head and is able to make like crazy saves. But for the most part, baseball is like pretty much the most, you just, you get there, you roll the dice, you see what happens. And the fact that, that owners now are going to be able to do that without spending as much as they should on a quality team, because you don't need to win as many games in a 162 game season now that you can say, hey, we made the playoffs, right? Like, we made the playoffs 10 years in a row. What do you mean we're not trying hard enough? That kind of stuff. And that's going to affect player salaries. That's going to impact veteran pay. You know, that's going to impact a lot of things. So I think owners did get a major win in that. Um, I think thing that I think that's a major win for just people who like baseball and people who enjoy baseball is the DH coming to both leagues. That's That's probably the one that I'm most happy about. That's going to get me canceled for a lot of old school NL fans. (laughs) I really just don't care. Like, I understand pitchers hitting was a part of the game for a really long time. But. It's fucking 2022, man. Well, not only that, but like, I was going to, I shouldn't even say what I was going to say. I was also going to say like, so was black people not being allowed to play for a very long time. (laughs) We don't fucking keep that shit around. Yeah. But that's, that's a really bad point to me. (laughs) But I mean, it's true though. And so like. 
but holding on to tradition, I understand, you know, but I don't want to see a guy who's like a lifetime 140 hitter who happens to be like the best pitcher on the team for hitting, like struggle in the ninth spot. Like I'm done with that. Like I know Shohei Otani is different, but he's a once in a lifetime, like once in probably a sport history kind of dude. Yeah. Like, I don't. Well, and, I don't need to see a pitcher up there hitting. Well, and, and with the DH, you know, people can try to make the argument like, oh, you know, it's cheapening the game. Look, whether you're somebody who, you know, because with sports, you always have the person that's like defense, defense, or you have the person that's all about the offense. But either standpoint, if you look at it from a defensive perspective, that means your pitcher is going to have to perform more clutch. It's going to be a lot more exciting to see your pitcher get a shutout in the fucking bottom of the eighth or the bottom of the ninth. Well, and uh, it, you know what I mean? It potentially opens up another roster spot for dudes on National League teams, too. More than right? Like, yeah. guys who can't play the field at all or don't want to be out in the field, you know. For, or some of those older guys that still older. got slugging power. Yeah, you know? so it creates another position for them, too, because now they can literally just be a designated. They don't have to worry about playing the field for an inning. They don't have to worry about embarrassing themselves, you know, at first base or some shit like that. So I, yeah. I think that is a win for the players and, and probably for the sport overall, even though people are going to be salty about it. But overall, I think um, I think the MLB is moving moving forward in a positive light. I'm glad that it was able to uh, to get done at least that way. Um, I'll be able to have something to watch on TV. I know Steve, um, you're always going to be either you know watching uh, highlights or catching a game once in a while. We also have uh, a farm team out here that we'll be able to start watching. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I actually have a game I'm going to be going to as part like of a work work thing so that's gonna be fun to check out and yeah having a minor league baseball team in town again is cool we used to when we were growing up didn't for a long time yeah um, do the cubbies bro got out at good old marinelli well, field and what's funny is that the pelicans the myrtle beach pelicans are the cubs single a team so it's basically yeah. the the same branch that we used to like the same league oh, that God, we used to dude, watch we're gonna have all the fucking townies from goddamn north side coming down here for spring training yeah so it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to actually have a minor league team around again. And then what's nice is since we don't live where we used to, we used to get blacked out for the Brewers games when you try to watch them in a league pass that they had. Yeah. So now that we're completely out of market, I can maybe watch my team on fucking TV if I want to pay a little bit extra. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um but I think the MLB is wrapped up. Next next thing on order on topic, uh, and this will probably be the last subject of the night. Uh, we have some NFL news. First, uh, I think we'll talk about some other teams because it's no secret. My brother and I were Packers fans. Um, I think I'll, I'll ask you, Steve, first. What was your biggest uh, surprise, whether it was signing or somebody getting cut? I, I, I think it has to be my biggest surprise was the Russell Wilson trade. Like mm-hmm. I, I know the Broncos were looking for a quarterback. I know Russell Wilson was looking to get out of Seattle. But like I honestly didn't really think Seattle was going to do that. And I, I didn't think Denver was actually going to pull it off to get somebody. I don't know if it's totally going to matter because I think that division is kind of stacked. And I don't think Denver was really just a quarterback short of being the team like to look out for. Yeah, I, they I think, got a lot of work. I think they were kind of overestimating where they were at like as a fan base and as, as like the media. Like, hey, we're just one guy away. Like, I, I think in that division, you got to be a lot more than just one, you know, one Russell Wilson away from, from winning a Super Bowl or winning that division because you got, you got Mahomes. Yeah, Her- Herbert. Like, like that's just a that's a loaded fucking division, dude. And it's just gonna be tough. And I don't know. I think some of the other stuff too is just a lot of teams who are t- 
trying, you're seeing Jacksonville making a lot of noise because, you know, they have to. Like, they can't be as bad as they have been. <laughs> like, they pretty much have no choice. And we'll see if that kind of stuff ever works. But, like, I think the trades have probably been the most interesting thing, like, to me so far. Whether it's been, like, the Bears trading away Khalil Mack after, you know, having that ransom they paid for him a couple of drafts ago and having it not really I mean, work had, out the way that they wanted it to. They had a season where, you know, they were a really great defense that, that kind of dragged their team to the playoffs and then had the double joint game, you know, like it worked out for a year. But overall, I think as a Bears fan, you're probably disappointed with how though you got to enjoy him in, in part of his prime. Don't get me wrong, but like, I think you do have to be a little bit disappointed with how that turned out in the well, Bears uniform. He, look, Khalil Mack, is he a good player? Yes, without a doubt. Even now with him tapering off, not playing at the level that he was. Um, but it's just the, what they gave up to get him, like you were talking about. Uh, for, for the amount of money he did not perform, he was still a great presence on the defensive end because even if he wasn't performing, he was still somebody that you had to worry about because he could come in, get a forced fumble, strip, uh, you know, whatever would happen. He to me, I think it's gonna be nice for him out in uh out in LA. That Raiders defense is looking fucking nice now with the edge rush. It's looking oh, Vegas. scary. Yeah. Vegas, sorry. Yeah. No, like that that's gonna be a fun team. I think the Raiders are gonna be a fun team to watch. And that's the other team in that that AOC West that uh, you know, like it's gonna make sense Raiders, dude. <laughs> I know. Well they used to be, so it's yeah. hard to it's hard to remember. But no, like I I think that division's gonna be really tough. I think the AFC in general is gonna be really tough. Where you got Buffalo, you got, you know, you got Baltimore, who's probably gonna be quality still. Cleveland making some moves. Um, I think the AFC is gonna be loaded. Well, if Cleveland can get rid of Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, I think, I think they'll be all right because uh, you know the Browns they recently got Amari Cooper mm-hmm. off of uh, off of Dallas. And look, uh, say what you want. I think Amari Cooper is going to find if if they can get a quarterback besides Baker Mayfield. Um, I think I think Amari Cooper will have a nice new change of scenery. I mean, we've seen it plenty of times in the NFL. Uh, change of scenery does really well, especially for a wide receiver. Yeah, that, I know they're looking at possibly bringing in the serial rapist Deshaun Watson. I don't know if that'll ever grow through or not, or if Watson's going to be able to come back after being away from a year. Um, or maybe they'll sign Kaepernick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, they'll totally, they'll totally sign Kaepernick, dude. There's a lot of teams looking into him right now. Like, that's it, what it's so sad said. that that's a joke because he's he's probably still better than at least ten quarterbacks in the league, if not more, even after having not played for all this time. Um, people can people can argue that he's not a starter, but he at least should be on the bench somewhere at, at minimum. At minimum. Oh, absolutely. Like there's guys who have made you know a career out of being backups who have really no business ever stepping back on a field. Um, one of the other things that I think was kind of weird that I saw happen was uh, Calvin Ridley got suspended for the entire season. I don't know if you saw that, Hirsch, for uh, for gambling. Gambling. Well, and it was also during the time that he had stepped away from the game. Because remember, he stepped away from the Falcons last year because of mental health reasons, saying he needed to be away. Yeah. And it was one of those things where at the time, you know, like, hey, dude, fucking take care of what you need to. Like, that's understandable. But then it turns out NFL has been making all these moves – a lot of sports in general have been not making all these moves to get much more involved with gambling, to get involved with the gambling apps, to make it a lot easier to bet on games, to make it so the information for betting is part of the broadcast and everything now, right? 
Like, yeah. You see, you got the over unders. Yeah, yeah. You see all that kind of stuff now. You didn't used to see over under. You didn't used to see, you know, maybe you'd get like the the expected, like, you know, you see the line, in, you know, like six and a half point favorite. You'd see that kind of stuff maybe to give you an idea of who was expected to win. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't see all this other stuff that involves betting. And then you have a player who was betting on NFL games and probably even bet on his own team using those NFL, you know, using those those gambling apps that the NFL is basically partnered with. <laughs> yeah, point. yeah. And so it is kind of a tough thing to be like, well, you know, they have to draw a line in the sand saying, you know, you can't try to impact betting, you know, based on having either an expertise in the game or knowing when, when shit might happen, or especially if it's your own team and there could be like some weird, you know, point shaving or other stuff going on. So I understand what they're, they're trying to do from a league standpoint, but it's also not, it's not hard to dismiss the hypocrisy. You know, it's hard to dismiss the hypocrisy involved because you have leagues who are, who are taking a lot of gambling money right now and getting partnered. Like you even have entire sport networks like the Valley Sports Networks now okay. who are basically they're, they're casinos who are running um, entertainment channels now. And so I, I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a even even further on that. I think it's hypocritical in the sense of teams that tank intentionally. Right. Like, yeah. How different is a Miami. player making bets? Then a coach telling his coordinators and telling his staff, hey, we're going to make sure that we lose X amount of games. How is that any different? Well, you have an owner in Stephen Ross in Miami who was trying to, to bribe his coach to do that. And bribe yeah. Brian Flores, right? So yeah. like, And I don't think he received any kind of year-long suspension or anything like that. No, no, it's no, obvious no. that he was trying to tamper with the outcome of games, even if he wasn't going to benefit financially, per se. Yeah, that's that's why. Besides the point that you make, which I think is a really good one, um, for what I just said, I I find it very hypocritical, and and I think it's kind of bullshit. Um, but yeah, back to the fun stuff though. Yeah. What was uh What was one of the moves like non-Packers wise that stood out to you? Um, <laughs> it, it's one that I was gonna bring up a second ago. Uh, Von Miller getting a five-year, hundred twenty million dollar contract. Um. Or was it six years? I, I think it was. I think it was six years. It could five be or six. Yeah. It's five or six, but I know it was for one hundred twenty million. Holy shit! And I know we had talked about this briefly before we went live that it might be one of those contracts where a lot of it's on the back end, something that they could renegotiate. Um, but Von Miller for fucking any anything more than three years. Well, you, you got to imagine, like you said, a lot of those last years are probably going to be to the point where the team would have to cut them because they wouldn't be able to afford them at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always take those contract announcements with a grain of salt because the agents want to make themselves look better, you know, negotiating for a longer deal. The player wants to feel better about the outcome. So they're going to announce a longer deal, more money. So that kind of stuff is going to fluctuate. Let's see what his hard cap numbers are through the next couple of years and where they go from there. You know, like how much can they kick to the back end and really not end up paying him? Um, <laughs> it's just funny because it's like, but yeah, he he's a guy who's past his prime. He's not past his prime, but he's past like the top of his prime. Yeah, he's he's not the dominant force that he once was. But I I had seen a comment, and I just wanted to bring it up. And somebody was like, every time I start to believe in the Bills again, they go and do something stupid like this. And I just kind of had like a dumb and dumber flashback. Totally totally redeem yourself. Yeah, totally redeem yourself. And maybe they feel you know if they get a guy like Von Miller who can. Possibly help that locker room. Yep. Can help that defense, even if it's just a play or two here or there. Even if he's just in on third down, you know. Obviously, you're not going to pay that guy that money and only bring him in third downs. But like, 
Buffalo was an overtime rule away from being in the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. like if you are if you are the team that's going to make that move, like I can cut Buffalo some slack because also you got to pay the Buffalo anti discount, right? Like, yeah, you're Buffalo. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know Green Bay pretty much has to think of it the same way. That's why they don't really go for guys in free agency. They they draft, develop, they go for bargain pieces because they know they can't get the guy who can play in Miami or the guy who can play in L.A. or the guy who can play in Vegas. They can't get him because they have to overpay if they try. Yeah, do you want to go to a fun city or do you want to completely shuffleboard and go to fish fries, dude? You know, like... You know what I mean? <laughs> I, don't, I don't hold that against players, like, no. deciding where they want to live and where they want to play because that's part of it too, right? Like, that's part of what I would decide for a job. Like, if mm-hmm. I got a job offer in Buffalo versus one even in, like... Baltimore like I would probably be like I'd rather go to Baltimore more likely just because I don't want to handle Buffalo winter yeah like you know like that's a big for these guys who go to school in like Alabama uh, grow up in Florida grow up in Texas or California like you better pay a little bit more to get me to come to Buffalo and I think that's part of what you're seeing with that contract too look dude I can't move to Buffalo I get those really long foldable tables and some fucking Bill's Mafia jackass is gonna break it five minutes into bringing it out on the patio I can't do it and that's not that's not even a knock against Buffalo, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're 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 fans of the Packers who pretty much had to like, you know, they were seen as the the Siberia of the NFL. That's where you got sent when nobody wanted you or they wanted to punish you. So yeah. like I understand that mentality and I don't know, like I <laughs> No dude, I love I love the Bills, dude. I love the fact that like they get buckwild, man. But Oh, it's so much fun and like I don't know, I, I hope I hope they are able to get over that hump because it, it it's fun when the Bills are good. Uh, I think it's good for the NFL to have teams like the Packers and the Bills do good. Um, the Bills owners are, are pieces of shit because I guess they're also trying to put like some stadium funding through. Like, oh, yeah, because they're trying to make it to where the taxpayers pay a billion. They only yeah. have to pay like four million. And so like the governor is also from Buffalo or, or she used to represent Buffalo or some shit like that. So like, you know, like there's also some shady shit going on. And I don't doubt this is a way to be like, hey, fans. Instead of bitching about the stadium costing so much, like, here's a shiny new object, right? Like, I don't doubt that's part of why they're willing to, to open up the checkbook like that. Well, I, I'm kind of hopeful that more teams kind of start taking a approach that the Packers do with the with the shareholders, right? Where people can sit there and buy that. People can say it's just a piece of paper, but really it is a true investment into your team. You don't really get a return. Well, it's a way for the team to raise money without having to tax people, right? Like, yeah. If you're if you're a fan who's willing to pay up that money, why not have it that way as opposed to a taxpayer who has no interest in football at all? Might be even against the idea of football still having to pay for it. Yeah. I, I just think it's an overall better choice. Um, is there anything else that happened besides Packer news that well, you wanted I, to bring up? I think Tom Brady on retiring is oh, definitely yeah. one of those major ones too. Like, right? Like you can't talk about the offseason without being like, oh no, Tom Brady retired. Now he's coming back. Dude, he spent, he spent fucking one to two months with those kids and wife at home. He said, fuck this, dude. Like, no. Mm-mm. I saw a great Twitter joke where, like, he did six weeks of waiting in the pickup line at school and was like, I'm getting the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'd rather get hit by Aaron Donald. Dude, he had to deal with all them crystal mommies waiting to fucking pick up their kids, man, blessing all that goddamn and, like, 90s and 2000s music, son. I joke, but, like, those guys are built differently, and I, I don't think they're used to being just sitting around all the time and, like, I think especially a robot like fucking Tom Brady, like he will malfunction if he's not in full motion at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the unfortunate thing with him coming back so much is he's going to have his career ended by an injury. 
Dude, I was literally thinking about that I don't when he came see, out. I'm not saying I want to see it. I'm not saying like that should happen. I'm just saying he's creating that likelihood to where like if he doesn't call it quit on his own, the game is going to call it for him. For him. And it's not going to be pretty. Dude, all right, look, I hate to be like one of those guys. All right, I'm going to sound crazy. Everybody get your tinfoilies out. But once Tom Brady came out with that announcement, in my mind, I just pictured him. And it was like a playoff game. Like, he gets them to the playoffs, and then he ends up getting his fucking leg snapped, dude. Like, straight up, just fucking boom. And I, I'm, that's not me saying I want that to happen. But I, I'm glad that you had brought that up, because that was something I was thinking about when, when I saw that news. No, I, and a couple other moves, like we saw Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, sign up for a little bit longer. I, I think that's a mistake for Minnesota. He's just good enough to get you killed. Um Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. Uh, I don't think that's going to matter. I think Heineke was actually probably a better option. A little option bit better. Than, yeah. Anyway, um, I think that's a it's a sidestep, if not a little bit of a regression. You have Trubisky going to the Steelers. <laughs> like That's got to be like the weakest quarterback room in the NFL right now. Where you oh, got my God. Trubisky. I think Dwayne Hat, uh, uh, Haskins is there from the previously the Commanders, the draft bust. And I want to say they still have, uh, what's his name, the racist, uh, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the guy who you can't help but want to hit with a helmet. And I don't know, I think that's just a sad situation. Because I, I know a lot of people hate Pittsburgh, but like, I don't know, I kind of view Pittsburgh as like the AFC version of Green Bay. Yeah. Like the way they try to keep shit steady. They, they don't try to, you know, like they try to keep a big window. Like they don't just, you know, sell out for that one season, even though the Packers are basically, will, will come up to it. But like they're selling out for this season. Like I think Pittsburgh, I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's a good coach. Like Same. I, I wish they had a better better situation. But that's what happens when you don't plan ahead and you don't draft Jordan Love to replace your quarterback. Because people forget, we're, and we're going to transition into the Packers here. There's a lot of other NFL moves. Sorry, we didn't cover them all for your favorite team. But if you want to talk about it right in, we'll make sure to. Um, but when you don't draft a guy who can possibly replace your guy, especially because Aaron Rodgers is having down seasons. When mm-hmm. even in that first year under Matt Lafleur, like he came back, but that was largely because of that offense. When you drafted Jordan Love, you were not expecting the version of Aaron Rodgers that you got for the last two seasons, right? Like you weren't sure if you were even going to get one more season out of him completely because he had also been injured a lot the last couple of seasons before then too. Yeah. So like, I think Pittsburgh is a prime example of when you don't plan ahead because now this draft for quarterbacks is probably one of the weakest drafts for quarterbacks worst. in like the last 5 to 10 years. Yeah. I mean, what we could be proven wrong, you could get like two or three guys who all of a sudden become like fucking all-stars and you're like, "Whoa, where would that come from?" But I doubt that's going to happen. You might get one. Yeah, you might end up getting one or two Mac Joneses out of the out of the draft. You know, and like other guys are going to be your Keely Smith, not even that big of names really cuz these are guys who like even as a, a a normie college fan who doesn't really pay too much attention like I don't know I don't know these guys at all. Yeah, there isn't any big name quarterbacks. I think mainly it's just uh, wide receivers and uh, defensive positions. Um, yeah. So yeah, but to transition to Green Bay, I think the big news you got to start with obviously Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers coming back. Um, he got his way. He got the four year deal where it basically guarantees, unless something else happens, he's probably going to retire as a Packer, or at least have a couple more seasons as a Packer. Most likely, at least two. I'll say, I, me personally, I see Rodgers sticking around for two years and then saying trading. That's just what I see. Yeah, I, I, I think by then we'll know one way or the other whether he's going to keep playing. I don't know if he'll keep on playing after that point, depending on what happens in the next two years. If he can go out win, uh, winning, I think he would be the type that would say, you know what, I got that second one. 
I think I'm good. Who knows if he would try to come back or if he would pull some Brett Favre shit. Who knows? Like, that would be a different. But I think it depends on what happens in the next year or two. Because Green Bay is also going to be in some financial issues by then where they might not be able to keep the team around him that he would want. So that could be a point where, you know, he does ask for a trade if he feels like he still has it. But I think with the moves they've made, they're pretty much saying, like, it's Super Bowl or bust. And I don't know if that's going to translate, but I do appreciate it. I wouldn't have done it myself. That's Mm -hmm. not the direction I would have taken it. But I also don't have to answer for any kind of consequences. This is my thought process. I think that... um, Actually, like Gutekunst, um, I think I think he's been doing a pretty good job overall. And I think, you know, obviously this is just speculation, but I think that um, you know he sees and acknowledges the prowess that Aaron Rodgers brings to that Packers Packers organization, not just the team, but the organization. And he's doing the smart thing, which is not what unfortunately the late and great Ted Thompson did with Favre, which is say, you know what. We know that there's going to come a point in time where we're not going to be either able to keep you or the pieces around you that we like. So you know what? We're going to load up. We're going to restructure your contract to a point to where you get two or three more seasons with us to to get your way before our cap hits the shitter. And if it doesn't work, then you know what? We tried to make right by you. You tried to make right by us. It didn't work. And now we got to fucking restructure. And I think that's kind of the approach that that Gutekunst and uh, Murphy are going for. I could be wrong, but I just that's what I see, and that's something that I kind of agree with. Because at the end of the day, just as a Packers fan, there's only so many times that I can bear watching Aaron Rodgers go into an NFC Championship game or get to the like you know right before the championship game, like the divisional, and end up losing big. I can only take it so many times. Well, and my whole thing and I'd get shit from a lot of Packers fans is he's got to play better in those games. I don't think the moves they're making are going to just magically make him better. So like I kind of I kind of had the feeling that they hit a wall with how far they could get with this version of Aaron Rodgers and it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. But I understand not doing that. I'm not upset that they didn't do that. I just would have understood it and agreed with it if they had done it the other way. Oh yeah, no, and, and I can get that too. I mean, shit, Steve, you know, for the past 4 or 5 years, um I've been saying Aaron Rodgers, like, I don't know if you remember, but there used to be times where we'd go to uh, uh, the Venetian to go watch the Packers game. We'd be like, dude, why the fuck do we still have Aaron Rodgers? And everybody would look at me like, you're fucking stupid. Like, no, dude, why do we still have him? Because he's not he's not Rodgers anymore. He's still great. He's a lot better than the majority of other quarterbacks in the league. But he's not just somebody who's watched him every single season, every single game. He's not the Rodgers that we all no, and these last two years have been Rodgers on fire, but he's also... And even then, he's still... He's also choked two times in a row anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the next biggest thing after that, obviously, would be Devontae Adams saying that he's holding out. Now, I don't know about you, Steve, but me thinking that Devontae Adams uh, not taking the franchise tag is a way for him to try to restructure his contract as well. Well, hopefully they'll be able to give him a big contract but still make it so his cap hit doesn't kill them for the next two years while they're doing all this. I think they'll try to do that. I don't think Rodgers would have done his contract without some kind of discussion or acknowledgement that, hey, we're going to do everything we can to get Devontae back. Yeah, we're going to franchise tag him, but no, what we're trying to do with this 
I just hope they're also talking to Devontae that way. I know they probably can't for like tampering reasons and shit like that, but I hope that Rogers is able to tell them like, hey, they're not doing this to fuck you. We're just trying to make shit work. Yeah. And I understand wanting to be the top paid receiver because I always argue he is the best receiver in the league. So like if he wants to get paid like it, get it. Yeah. But I don't. But I also, I don't think they're going to trade him on a franchise tag like that. Like, I don't think you'd bring Rodgers back just to trade away Adam. So I just don't think that's that's in the cards right now. I could be wrong. It could happen. Could be yeah. on freezing cold takes. You'll see my words. <laughs> like, I don't think you bring Rodgers back just to trade away the number one weapon on your team. No. Um, I know you have other guys too, but nobody can replace Devontae. No, he's he's a special. Not uh, even special Land, not even Landry or the other guys they're talking about for maybe bringing in and shit like that. Whenever yeah. I see Green Bay mentioned, I know it's just the agent putting other teams out there to try to drive their bargaining position. Because Green Bay ain't gonna fucking sign. <laughs> no, dude, Green Bay ain't getting shit, dude. Well, not they can't afford to. That's exactly that's my point. You um, know, like you can go all in by bringing back, you know, Devonte Campbell. Bringing back Preston Smith. I'm sad Zadarius Smith had to leave. Yeah. But I kind of but it makes sense. I understand why. He didn't play all the last season. You don't know what that back surgery is going to do to him. Preston Smith's been stepping it up. Well, and, and Sean Gary's a big boy now. There was some locker room stuff going on with Zadarius too, where he was very upset he didn't get voted a team captain last year. Mm-hmm. And he made like a whole medallion that said captain on it and shit like that instead. And like, I don't know if maybe people were just not listening the same way or him not, you know. I'm not inspiring guys the same way. It, just, it didn't seem like it was working. I understand that. But I, I do hate to see Zedarius go. I am happy that they're hopefully bringing back um, Alan Lazard. They did release Billy Turner, which hurts your offensive line depth. Cause Alan can, Jenkins, too. Well, Alan Jenkins is still coming back from his injury. So hopefully he'll be back. And then you lose Lucas Patrick to the Bears. So you do lose a couple guys who can play a couple of different positions along your offensive line. But they've also drafted really well the last couple of years with John Runyon Jr., and uh, what's his name that played right guard all last season? Oh, I can, fuck. I forget Ross his name. Verba. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> a name from the fucking Mike past. Whale. Mike Whale. But like... Mike uh, Wally. Right. Why am I... It's something... Man, why am I blanking on his fucking name right now? Um, yeah, like they're bringing... Hopefully they're bringing Lazar back. I think re-signing Devondre Campbell was huge. The fact that they actually brought back a linebacker who was successful for them. Um, I think that means a lot. I was kind of surprised by that. I didn't think they were going to be able to get Devondre Campbell back. They did that tender for Lazard, like I was mentioning, so hopefully he'll be back. They lose Oren Burks, a, a really good special teams guy, but he's not really going to hurt your defense one way or the other. Um, you looking up that offensive lineman? Yeah, I'm trying to fucking... I know it wasn't Royce Newman. Yeah. No, it was. I think it was, was Royce, it Royce Newman. Newman? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was starting out there. Yeah. Because Josh Myers, you know, was supposed to be playing center, but he was hurt, so that's why they had Lucas Patrick playing center. Yep, that's right. Um, I, I think one of the most upsetting losses, um, and, and it's not even a true loss yet, it's up in the air for speculation, but I just have a gut feeling, um, besides losing to Darius Smith, uh, Razul Douglas probably not coming back as a Packer. Um, and that's kinda, that kind of sucks because, I mean, shit, man uh, – he, for me, he made some memorable Packers moments, especially because there was a few games that I watched down here uh, in the new state that we moved to. And it was, you know, the first Packer games that I watched, you know, by myself. And it's just, there were certain moments like the, you know, the pick sixes that he got. Um, 
just the the fact that he was somebody that they picked up off of a practice squad, uh, and and he came in and played the way that he did. It was just it was a great it was a great story. It was a great thing to get hyped around, and it was for the team that I root for. So it was fucking win win. Well, and like that game winning pick against the Cardinals, right? The team he had been on the practice squad. That was one of the best moments in a game I've ever watched, and you know, as a Packers fan ever. So like. He definitely brought some memories. I I think he just he played too well to be able to bring him back at the kind of deal you'd want. Yeah. Um. He was a replacement, an emergency replacement for Jair going down. You hopefully have Jair back at full strength. I think Stokes played a lot better last year than they ever would have expected. Yeah. I don't think if Stokes plays nearly as well that they feel as comfortable letting Douglas go. Um. I I do think you still need that third cornerback. That's probably going to be another draft pick. We'll see if it's the first round where they draft another cornerback <laughs> again. But hey, it worked out with Jair and, yeah. and Stokes so far. Stokes, so, yeah. you know, I know it didn't work out with, uh, I know he's a second rounder technically, but I know it didn't work out with Kevin King. Yeah. Um, God, choosing him over fucking Watt just looks dumber every time. It dude. hurts so fucking And I know you, you don't choose him over him. Like, there's different boards. There's different stuff going on. But, like... That's but he was still, still available, man. Yeah, just that one just... Come on, JJ. Well, well, you trade back so that you can't, right? So, you, yeah. you give yourself that excuse. Well, if he had been there when we still drafted, we would have gotten him, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, you obviously didn't have that high a, a grade on him if you weren't willing to take him maybe a pick or two early just to take him. But I, I, I do wonder how just beyond a coach if special teams will be any better because we still don't know who's going to be the kicker for the Green Bay Packers coming up here. I don't think it'll be Mason Crosby. No, he's not coming no. back. And, and they got rid of Curry uh, Bojarquez. Yeah, I know. And he had moments where he was really good, and then towards the end of the season, he, he fell tapered apart. off a but lot. But same thing happened with J.K. Scott. So you just you yeah. got to get a guy who's more consistent. And like I said, I don't know if their special team woes will get fixed just by a coach. I'd like to see more improvement with being willing to use middle of the roster guys a little bit more on special teams, but I don't know if they're going to have the depth they used to with the way they're having to do the salary cap right now. And this because that special teams coach was the, he was the former uh, Raiders coach, interim coach last year. He took over for Gruden. Rich Bisakia. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's a talented special teams coordinator, but like I said, I don't know if scheme and, and a new coach are just going to be enough to do that. That's the, that's the Achilles heel on this team. That's why they lost that playoff game. Um, so until, uh, it still hurts in, until I see improvement there. I, I can't totally buy in to what the Packers are doing. Cause I, I still think they're going to be a great team. That's going to win, you know, 11, 12, 13 games, but will it matter enough? Is yeah, will, be the question. will it be the amount of games they need to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that's kind of why I, I didn't know if they were going to do the Rogers thing. Cause I, I don't know if they're just, you know, a run it back kind of team that can really have more success. Cause the last two years I thought were two of the best Packer teams I've seen in a long time and they still couldn't get it done. So I don't know how much better of an overall team besides special teams they can be. And I don't know if, if getting three new specialists, cause they're not bringing back that long snapper either. Cause he fucking sucked. So you're bringing in a new kicker, a new coach, a new punter, a new long snapper. I don't know if all of that at the same time is going to be enough or if it's even going to matter. Well, I think I think one of the biggest things that Green Bay is missing overall, um, and, and this is when, when they had these kind of players on their defense, they won Super Bowls, and that's a playmaker. They've had great defensive players, 
but they haven't really had any playmakers. For the Super Bowl team, that one when Rodgers was quarterback, you had Charles Woodson, you had Nick Collins, who was probably going to be one of the greatest Packers safeties besides Leroy Butler. Um, and then before, in 96, when you had, of course, Leroy Butler, Reggie White, um, the the Dodson twins, when you had Gilbert Brown, um, when the Packers, like I said, when the Packers have a defensive playmaker or multiple, that's when they win Super Bowls. Uh, well, and Razul Douglas was close to that last year, I yes. would argue. Where, like, that was the close, and him and Devondre Campbell were, were part of the reason why I thought that Packers team was better last year because of that defense. And I don't know, losing some of the depth, if that's going to be the same. You hope that Jair takes that next step because Jair is all pro, but he's not really a playmaker yet. No, not at all. And he's not a game changer. And I think Jair taking that next step is going to be huge. I think uh, having another season for for uh, Bain on that side of the field, you know, that'd be good. Like I, I'm using a nickname a lot of people probably aren't familiar with. So like, I hope people realize I'm talking about Rashawn Gary. But I think Gary's had a really good season last year. I think he's going to become a you know if he he's going to be a stud. If he can start to do strip sack, if he can start to you know maybe pick off a pass where he's in coverage once in a while. If he can even make a couple plays here or there, I think that is going to help. I just, I still think if they don't bring back MVS, they need another receiver who can stretch the field because they have a lot of good possession guys. And I think who they bring in at tight end, if they bring back uh, Tunyon or if they bring in somebody else, I think tight end has a big difference because every move they've tried to make with tight end since Jermichael Finley hasn't worked. And, I mean, if Finley hadn't gotten injured in the way that he did and all that shit went down, like, he's another guy who... Could have been one of the best Packer tight ends, but I, I think, and that's one of those positions where you can't really draft a guy and expect him to contribute first year. That's not how tight end works. I mean, it's just it's not it the position time. to do that. It takes. All time. I'm saying, can we can we get fucking Keith Jackson or Bubba Franks back? Like, well, it's just it's the league though too. Like, no, tight end just isn't that position anymore. Like no. you have you have Kelsey, you have Kittle, and you have that dude in Atlanta right now who got drafted. Well, Baltimore had that one. Uh, Tight end. What's his fucking name? Andrews. Yeah, he's good. Like, and well, like they make touchdown, but like you have a handful of guys who basically represent what a good tight end is right now. And yeah. I think other guys are. Tunyon could have been that guy if he hadn't gotten hurt. I think last year because he had that season before. But even in the games he played last year, he looked kind of lost. So I don't know if he's the kind of guy that they're willing to bring back for you know the just on kind of a prove it contract or what, but. I guess we'll see with that. I'm just, I am, I'm not pessimistic on the Packers. I'm just a little bit skeptical. Yeah. I, like I said, I can only take so much heartbreak. I'm, I'm holding out hope for a Super Bowl, but I'm not holding on. Um, but I think, I think, Steve, I think that's a good episode. Yeah. Um, to everybody who's still listening, thank you so much. Uh, I do want to say, I think we, we had talked about it earlier and I made sure to take a note so I didn't get my Biden syndrome to kick in. Uh, I think a future episode, even if we just do a short one, like a quick, like 30, 40 minute episode, I kind of want to do a snippet on the Supreme Court. I think that would be an interesting episode to kind of break down the Supreme Court and show the way that the Supreme Court has been used throughout history, because I think there's kind of a um, revisionist history when it comes to the Supreme Court, especially through um, uh, liberal media sources, as well as the shit that you hear from uh, Fox News about how, you know, Supreme Court was communist for a while, but now it's starting to be American. Um, well, it, it is historically a very reactionary and very regressive institution. 
and there was one court in particular, the Warren court, who like was somewhat liberal, and it made the entire country lose their shit. So like, <laughs> yeah. it'll definitely be a cool topic to check out. Yeah, and I also kind of want to check some people. I I, I kind of want to check the gas queen liberals because fucking RBG wasn't one of the homies. I mean, she she did some good stuff. you know, I I think for for women's rights. Um, but she was kind of a racist piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, and she she held back, you know, holding on to her job for so long when people were saying, you know, she has every right to do what she wants when it basically cost them at least cost them at least one court seat, if not the the other one for Scalia because of her hem hung, where Obama could have just gotten two of those fucking nominees in right quick. Yeah. Would have been nice. Um, but yes, once again, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate all of the support. We should be live again uh, sometime next week, maybe Wednesday. Yeah, if we'll, not, we'll try to make this a lot quicker in between. Maybe you know, not as many weeks, maybe a week and a half or so. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out a day. So make sure to keep tuned to that Twitter feed. Uh, but on behalf of Sue, myself, love peace, chicken grease, and don't forget to wash your hands and wipe your butt. Peace.